Hey everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes is a Goal podcast. If you're new around here, I'm a late bloomer who discovered the power of goals in his mid-30s. Now, I'm on a furious mission to create the accelerators I wish I had in my 20s. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today, we're going to be talking about the three sentences that will help you master time management. Do you ever, do you ever feel busy? Do you feel overwhelmed? Like there's not enough time to do all the things you have to do. Right now, am I on 2x speed because you don't have time for a regular speed? If the answer is yes to any of those questions, you are going to love this episode. But first, let's hear a quick word from the sponsor of today's episode. Did you know that 96% of people feel they're not tapping into their full potential? 96% of people. That's most people. Now, the good news is if you're listening to this podcast, you're not most people. You and I can be the 4% that open every gift they have and enjoy every bit of potential. So how exactly do we do this? Well, all it takes is a goal. In fact, I wrote a whole book about it and my three-step plan will help you escape the comfort zone, avoid the chaos zone, and live in the potential zone. What if each day felt like a gift and each year got progressively better? It can, and my book shows you how. Today is the day that you can unleash your full potential. All it takes is a goal is now available wherever books are sold. You can also pick up a copy at atgbook.com. That's atgbook.com. All right, let's jump into the episode. I'm trying something new for those wicked busy people out there. How ironic this is all about doing things in the right way and getting time management under control. But if you are really busy, and you've got a lot going on, and you don't have time for a whole podcast episode, here's the entire episode in 30 seconds. Time is your most valuable resource, but it's also your most vulnerable. It can't protect itself. The only thing that time knows how to do is flow. It's our job to protect it. And when we do, channeling it to the goals we care about the most, we can accomplish anything. That's the 30-second wrap-up. Now, if you have more time, if you want more explanation, awesome. Let's listen to the whole episode. So today, I'm going to start with four terrible facts about time. Four terrible facts, but I, I have to because they are true. Not only are they true, but if you deal with time, most of life's problems will be solved. Here are the four terrible facts presented in list format because I love a list. Number one. Most goals are optimistic lies. Number two, time is the only honest metric. Number three, if you divorce your goals from your calendar, you will never achieve them. Number four, time is your most valuable resource, but it's also your most vulnerable. Let's break them down and then fix them. So first one, most goals are optimistic lies. If you say you're going to run a marathon, but your week can only currently accommodate a training for a 1k at best you've just told an optimistic lie it felt great to say it it did oh it felt great but you're not going to do it because you don't have the time number two time is the only honest metric if you tell me your biggest desire is to write a book and you spend more time scrolling on instagram than writing you don't really want to write a book you you don't It's fun to say we want a certain thing, but the calendar tells the truth. Number three, if you divorce your goals from your calendar, you will never achieve them. Your calendar is either your best friend or your worst enemy, depending on how you treat it. 
If you marry your goals to your calendar, you can achieve anything you want. And the last one, time is your most valuable resource, but it's also your most vulnerable. Time can't protect itself. The only thing it knows how to do is flow. It continually, relentlessly evaporates. It's vulnerable. It's your job to protect it. When I realized these four truths in my own life, I did what every busy person does. I looked for a new time management system. Right now, from where I sit, I can see 11 different time management notebooks. They all promise in different ways that this, this is the system that will make me more productive. It will fix all my problems and it'll add more peace and productivity to my life. But what's interesting is that all of them fail because none of them get at the root of the issue. Managing time starts with managing your mindset. Let me say that again. Managing time starts with managing your mindset. That's not something that is unique to time either. Here's a simple principle that governs your life, whether you believe in it or not. Thoughts turn into actions. Actions turn into results. So if you want certain results, you have to start with the thoughts because the thoughts are going to lead to the actions. The actions are going to lead to the results. All too often when it comes to dealing with time, we overfocus on our actions and we never change the underlying thoughts that are shaping everything we do. Therefore, we don't get the results we want. Let's change that today. There are three soundtracks that will change your relationship with time. Three sentences that will change your relationship with time. Now, a soundtrack is just my phrase for a repetitive thought. I wrote a book called Soundtracks. We've got a video course as well. We'll link that in the show notes. So when you learn something new, old soundtracks get loud. Our brains don't like to change. So the minute you start trying something new, old soundtracks, old programming, old beliefs will launch a full-out assault to get you to stay the same. This happens every single time, and there are three particular broken soundtracks about time that we need to expect and execute. Broken soundtrack number one, I don't control my schedule. I don't control my schedule. This is a fair bit of pushback. I personally work for myself, which theoretically gives me the ability to determine a lot of my schedule. I have clients, um, I have time commitments too, but I don't technically have a boss and a timesheet in the traditional sense. It would be understandable to say, John, it's easy for you to manage your time because you're an entrepreneur and you have a different type of freedom than I do. I think that's a, a good point. I do. I, I have a weirdly shaped life. But recently, a friend of mine named Kerry Newhoff really challenged me on this point. He has a great book called At Your Best, where he talks a lot about managing your energy levels, your time, and your priorities. When he was on my podcast, we'll link to that episode, I pushed back on him in the same way that maybe you're pushing back on me. I said, Carrie, not everybody can control their schedule. Most people don't have that freedom. And he replied, John, the problem is that when people hear a new idea, they tend to focus on the things they can't control versus the things they can control. That, that stopped me in my tracks. Because when someone offers me a new idea or an approach to life or some bit of advice, my broken soundtracks, those repetitive thoughts that I listen to often, are always focused on what I can't control. For instance, if someone says, John, you should be part of this weekly mastermind. Like maybe there's a weekly mastermind in Nashville, it's other entrepreneurs, and somebody invites me to it. And they go, hey, this would be really helpful for you. There's a lot of wise people in there. It'd, it'd give you some colleagues, et cetera. When somebody says it to me, 
my immediate response is, Ooh, I, I can't do that because I, I travel too much. I just, I travel too much for work that would never fit my schedule. Now that's true. I don't necessarily control my flight times always. Um, but what if instead of arguing why it won't work when I initially hear a new idea, I get curious about how it could work. What if instead of instantly shutting it down, I said, huh, what, what time does it meet? What days does it meet? How often do you meet? What happens if you miss? I could respond with questions versus with excuses. So what if instead of throwing up a lot of excuses, a lot of reasons it won't work, I looked at my schedule and realized that even though I travel for work, most weeks I could make a 7 a.m. mastermind call, especially if it was virtual. Do you know how many of my speaking engagements I've had in the last 10 years um, at 7 a.m. where like I'm on stage at 7 a.m. talking? Zero. That's the number. But my broken soundtrack of I don't control my schedule got loud instantly and shut down the possibility of me doing that mastermind. So let's do a quick soundtrack switch out to address that one. Don't say I don't control my schedule. Don't say that. Retire that broken soundtrack. Instead say, focus on what I can control, not what I can't control. Focus on what I can control, not what I can't control. Or shorten it a bit and say, don't let my excuses dictate my day. I don't let my excuses dictate my day. An excuse is just another name for a broken soundtrack. The real problem with the soundtrack, I don't control my schedule, is that it tends to turn into, I don't control any of my schedule. It's a subtle change, but it's a powerful one. So you're telling me you don't control any of the 168 hours in the week? You're zero for 168? I, I don't believe that. I, I really don't believe that. That was the other thing I learned from Kerry in our conversation. He said, ask yourself how many hours of the week your boss requires you to be in a certain place doing a certain thing at a certain time. It's probably less than you think. I guarantee that right now, for the majority of you, regardless of the job you have, your boss has not assigned you exact actions for all 40 hours of the work week. Now, what's interesting about that, where you see this principle kind of get in marriages, is I'll have um, spouses say, I would love to write more or I would love to get in shape, but like I really want to make sure I'm always around for my spouse or always around for my kids. And if you ask the spouse, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to try to lose a couple pounds. Like, do you mind if I go for like a half hour walk? Do you mind if I, you know, go for a half hour run or whatever? That spouse is going to go, oh, that'd be amazing. Over and over, I've seen this where like somebody who's a workaholic doesn't have a hobby and they're like, I can't have a hobby. I'd be like, my wife doesn't want me to have a hobby. And then I go, well, go ask your wife about that. And they go, hey, do you mind if, um, like I develop a little bit of a hobby. They're always thrilled. A, a healthy marriage, you're always excited when the person taps into something they care about. You never go, no, you can't have those 11 minutes. You can't have those 12 minutes. Usually it's just the opposite. They go out of their way to help make that happen. That's how I wrote my first book. I wrote my first book in a Burger King. That's not like... It's not just like a, like a, a rapper line. I think about like, oh, I've come up from the streets. I wrote it in a Burger King. That's actually where I wrote it. My first book was written when Starbucks really wasn't that popular. There weren't a million Starbucks. There weren't a lot of hipster coffee shops. And so I was really busy. I had a full-time job. I had an Atlanta commute. I had two kids under the age of four. I had freelance clients. We had a ton going on. And my wife, Jenny, said to me, hey, 
I am a hundred percent willing for you to take a couple hours before your men's group. Like I was in a men's group, um, on Mondays. So after work, just go to go somewhere, but before the men's group starts, have dinner, right, right, right. And then go to the men's group. Now she wouldn't have been cool if I was like, Hey, I'm going to spend those two hours watching TV, or I'm going to spend those two hours on something useless. But she was more than happy to go. I'll watch the kids. Like I got the kids. Let's go. You go hustle on this book. So that's what I would do after work on Mondays. I would drive up to, I think it was in Roswell technically, there was a Burger King. I would go in there. I would office at a Burger King. I'd spend like two and a half hours in Burger King, which by the way, is a very long time in a Burger King. But she helped me create that space. And so I think you'll be surprised if you're in a marriage, when you start being more deliberate with your time, how much your spouse will help make that happen. Like it becomes this team agreement. That's why for me, like I cheer for someone that I see studying for a college degree while sitting in a toll booth. That's a person who has to be at a certain spot doing a certain thing, but instead of scrolling through TikTok on her phone in between cars, she's hustling. Like anytime I see somebody at a job that doesn't require their full attention constantly, and they've got like a really thick book on like world history and they're studying, I want to clap for them, like way to make use of that time. This activity will help you figure out which parts of your schedule you control. So pause for a second and think about that. Which parts do I control? Which parts do I have a commitment and I don't have space? That's also how I started learning how to practice speeches. I would practice in my commute. In my Atlanta commute, I would give the speech the entire way on the way to work. Out loud, in my car. Like, I gave so many speeches to my steering wheel. Um, It kind of feels like a dashboard confessional kind of, you know, shout out. But that's what I would do because I found that I had 45 minutes. I didn't, you know... I didn't control other parts of my day, but that 45 minutes were open. I could listen to the radio or I could actually do something that moved my goal forward. So I did that. The second soundtrack you will hear when you try to manage your time is broken soundtrack number two, surprises and emergencies in my week make it impossible to plan. Ah, these surprises make it impossible to plan. Amen. 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 In the immortal words of Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Let's be real. Life is going to punch you in the mouth. It is. If you want to be frustrated and disappointed, just try to plan out every hour of your 160 hours this week. There are going to be surprises, unexpected obstacles, and emergencies. That's just how life works. But here's the thing. There are less than you think. There are less of them than you think. How do I know that? Because you've never really paid attention to how many they are. We're so busy reacting to them and living in the chaos that we never recognize that there are only a handful of surprises in every week. There's not a hundred. There's probably not even a dozen. For example, we got a flat tire a few weeks ago and that threw my schedule into a bit of a loop for a few hours. I hadn't planned to change that tire. It cost me time, but let's be honest. It's also the first flat tire we've had in three years. It's not like I'm getting them every week. The other thing is that sometimes things that pretend to be emergencies aren't really emergencies. If a coworker says, hey, I need uh, you to review this document, ASAP, I need this back, ASAP, it's tempting to completely drop everything you're doing, throw your whole schedule into a tailspin and spend time on that unexpected emergency. But what if instead you replied with, hey, I'm I'm booked solid today, but I have a window open tomorrow at 2 p.m. 
Could I review it then and give you feedback by 4 p.m.? That level of detail would blow their mind. And chances are they don't need your feedback right this second. They're just living in their own chaos zone. I wrote about the chaos zone in my brand new book, All It Takes is a Goal. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Plug. They're just living in their own chaos zone and they're trying to invite you in. So let's do another soundtrack switch up. Don't say surprises and emergencies in my week make it impossible to plan. Instead say, life is full of surprises, but there are less than I think. Life is full of surprises, but there, there are less than I think. You want a fun, silly bit of homework? Is it weird to get homework from a podcast episode? I don't know. I'm trying to make these things super tactical, super practical. Here's what I think you should do. Count surprises this week. Just count them. Just keep a running list in your phone or your notebook. Count things that pop up unexpectedly in your week that cost you at least an hour of time. If you get a 10-minute phone call from a friend out of the blue, don't, don't count that. I'm, I'm talking about an emergency or surprise that takes at least an hour of your time. I promise you'll be surprised by how few of them there are. You want to take this to an even higher level of performance? When you encounter something unexpected, ask yourself two questions. Number one, has this happened before? Has this happened before? And number two, will this happen again? If you answer yes to either of those questions, then you need to build a system. I talk a lot about systems in the Guaranteed Goals community. It's this private online community I have. You can check it out at acuff.me slash goals. But for now, know this. If something happens repeatedly, it's not a surprise or an emergency. It's a situation begging for you to create a system to handle it. I learned that working with some of the best dental practices in the country. Every day at a dental office is full of unexpected situations. They can't plan for an eighth grader to chip his tooth at a baseball game or break a crown or a cavity to, to kind of go crazy. They can't plan for that. You can't schedule emergencies, but the best dental practices have a plan for when they do happen. They have a system to accommodate the unexpected. That's how they know how to shift patients, create space in the day, and get people in pain into the office immediately. They plan for the unplanned, and so can you. Our third and final broken soundtrack you're going to hear when you work on time is, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. We say that. We all say that. And, and you don't. I mean, that's real. You don't. Neither do I. But when you keep an honest calendar, it teaches you that maybe you're trying to shove too many things into one week. That sometimes happens to me. It does. I come up with too many actions I want to take, too many goals I want to accomplish, and too many commitments for one week. I, I did that this morning. I have to take my daughter to the airport today, so I have like a hard time deadline where I need to leave for the airport. And I'm going on a trip. And so I had like a three-hour window where I tried to plan like 14 hours of work of things I was going to accomplish. It just, it was too much. Now, when I do that, something like that, I tend to get a quick education in time management from my calendar. My calendar forces me in the best possible way to prioritize. I'm not naturally good at prioritizing. I'm not. But the calendar gives me natural boundaries. I can use those boundaries to my own advantage. For instance, if I know it takes me 20 hours to write a speech and I only have four hours available to do that in my average week, it's going to take me five weeks to complete that. I'm not a math guy. I'm not. I'm a writer. I'm terrible at math. I took statistics freshman year of college and I was like, deuces math, never again. But if something takes me 20 week, or twenty hours and I got four hours a week to do it, that's going to divide it by carry the one. That's Yeah, I can do that. That's five weeks to complete it. Instead of feeling like a failure when I'm unable to accomplish a 20-hour task in a week that has four hours in it, I have choices. 
Number one, choose to find more time. I can clear my calendar a bit. I can find more time. Number two, choose to be patient with the process. I can say, you know what? I got week one done. You know what? I got week two done. Like it's taking longer than I want week wise, but this is the process. Or number three, I can choose to complain about being too busy. That's always a choice too. I've tried that last option, the complaint option, hundreds and hundreds of times. And although it gives me a false sense of feeling important, look how busy I am. I'm so busy. I'm important. It doesn't accomplish anything. One of the things that helped me find more time and be patient with the process is using the Finish Calendar. I use this wall calendar that I absolutely love. You can check it out at finishcalendar.com. I've used it for more than 10 years now. There's not a lot of tools I can say that about where I'd go, I've used this for a decade and still love it. It's my favorite calendar. It's finishcalendar.com. We'll link it in the show notes. Seeing my whole week, month, and year all at once really simplifies planning for me. I absolutely love it. And that calendar has taught me a simple lesson. Self-discipline is hard. Calendar discipline is easy. Self-discipline is hard. It is. Calendar discipline is a lot easier. I'm not a naturally disciplined person. It's hard for me to focus. I'm very scattered. But the calendar gives me a perfectly defined set of constraints to create in. My week isn't shapeless and overwhelming. Let's do one last soundtrack switch up. Don't say, I don't have enough time. Instead, say, I have the perfect amount of time for the things that matter the most. I think that's what you should say. I have the perfect amount of time for the things that matter the most. You do. You have enough time for the things that matter. Those are the three things I want you to say. The three different new soundtracks I want you to think about today. And here's, here's the reality. I hope, I hope you have too much free time. I hope your biggest issue is that you have so much free time on your hands that you don't know what to do with yourself. What a, what a wonderful problem that would be. But more than likely, you're like me. There's a lot going on and you want to manage your time a little bit better. So practice those soundtracks the next time you feel busy. And if you want to check out the best calendar I've ever used, remember, finishcalendar.com, www.finishcalendar.com. It's massive. It's beautiful. I've used it for 10 years. I think you'll love it too. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We'll put all the links in the show notes as always. And thank you for reviewing my podcast. The reviews you write are super encouraging. Here's one I recently saw from Texas Kelly. She said, if you're not motivated, you're not listening. I can always count on John Acuff to challenge me and push me to be the best version of myself. Love listening to his audiobooks, And now this podcast is another great resource to encourage me to chase my dreams. That's awesome. Thanks for writing that, Kelly. Please make sure you subscribe or follow or whatever it is the kids are saying these days. And please write a review. I'll see you next week. And remember, all it takes is a goal. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.